Today's guest is Pavlina. She's fostering accountability in cyberspace and is currently a public policy advisor at Cyber Peace Institute, as well as an author and speaker. Pavlina, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. First, I like to always ask my guests, how are you and how's life? Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for having me. It's a, it's a wonderful pleasure to be part of this project, and I'm very excited for today's talk, and I'm doing fine. Thank you. I know. I know it's been a busy time and it's taken us a few rescheduling to get here, but super excited to dive in. For our listeners, can you just explain? I know you're always doing and so involved in so much, especially with a lot of blogs. And really, I think the public policy is such an amazing space and very unique to get in. Can you just explain to the audience a little bit about yourself and how you got started within cyber policy? I'm very happy to because it wasn't a straightforward story. And I just find it so important to share for others who want to get into the space for a little encouragement. So for me, I started to get super excited about, about cyber policy when I was still an intern at the, at the European Parliament. I was starting my career um, a decade ago and uh, digital single market was so big on the agenda for Europe because with the, with the new commission, it was one of the priorities. So we would have many hearings, especially from experts from the, from the US and explaining how does it, like, how does the tech sector works there? And I got so excited at that point. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to continue in, in, uh, cyber policy, but when I was going for several interviews afterwards, after, after my internship, I was always listening. Like we love everything about you, but you don't have tech experience. And I got very much discouraged right away because I just felt, well, you know, I'm, I'm I miss my train. Like I. I don't have this, I don't have this background. I need to move on my income. I'm, I'm responsible for my income. I cannot just like go back to school. So I, I move on for other jobs. You know, after years, like the cyber policy angle came back to me and I realized that you can start working on your skills outside of your job. And this is, this is one of the lessons I always, when I, when I mentor young professionals, this is something I always advise them. Your job does not necessarily need to define you or your qualities, because if, you know, if it was so, I would never get into cyber policy and I love the field so much, but you can build your skills and your experience outside of the job, which is a simple lesson, which I didn't understand for many, many years. And, uh, and I started to, uh, when I was, um, with organization for security and cooperation in Europe as an official, and then, um, international expert consultant, I started to publish on cybersecurity and it, and it led, led to me being the lead trainer on cybersecurity at the organization for, for example, human rights defenders um, and, my, and my minorities and so that. And in this way, I got, uh, I got more and more involved into, into cyber, cyber diplomacy and cyber policy, and it led to my current job. So uh, it, I ended up in the field which I wanted to end up many years ago but it it took a while yes and i think t for it to take a while to get to where you are speaks tremendous about how much you work and i think how much you didn't let that comment set you back when they said you actually don't have the technical experience i think for you to like bypass that comment 
it like if you if you took it a different approach you wouldn't be where you are now but pavlina i want to backtrack so you kind of mentioned how you got in and how you were very always interested in this space until later on you became kind of more versed and did all the networking and met people for our listeners listening in everyone has a different route of their career whether that be traditional education or they choose this as their major in a university and they end up in cyber policy where in your life did it show you interest and how did you get into choosing cyber policy as a career path so for me i have my education is very much focused on geopolitics and actually um as a as a funny fact, I get to use it a lot currently because when I'm engaged in all the like, cybersecurity negotiations, for example, at the UN, it's very much, very heavily on geopolitical um, side of things. So you have to, at the same time, you have to understand many aspects, and it and it gets very um, it gets very complex, especially in in multilateral um, negotiations. But for this part, I don't regret that I got my first cyber policy job, fully fledged cyber policy job on a couple of years ago, because I had a decade of experience through different policy angles. And also uh, I was working uh, for a political party in Brussels and Sata. So you have all these parts of education on the geopolitical side of things and uh, experience in policy and experience in politics, both in uh, European and, and national politics. And you just learn a lot of dynamics um, at the same time and, and consider many angles. And for policy making, uh, this is a key lesson because there is you have to know how to work with uh, unknowns. You have to know how to work with many stakeholders, with many interests. And, uh, um, and that's why all the decades um, of the experiences when I wasn't directly working on cyber, Later, I started to publish on the cyber-related matters and cyber policy uh, and uh, cyber threats um, and how they how they impact people. But um, but this all led to a fact that when I actually got my current job, it was a very good fit. Yeah, kind of going into your role now and having that explanation and you having the decade of experience, if somebody were interested in in cyber policy or public policy as as you are in this field and they didn't have the experience like you how can they get into this how is it is it easily a field that somebody maybe entry level can enter as a cybersecurity specialist or kind of you know what tools and and advice do you have for someone that would be willing to kind of enter this career path similar to yours when you're entering job market in general, I think that you may face something as a paralysis of decision making, right? You're just scared because the decision feels so so big, um, and you are and you're afraid that you will choose something wrong, that you will follow a wrong path. Uh, but, but but I think that actually just focusing on doing something and then thinking as part of the process can be can be an ideal start. So for, for my point of view, if you're interested in any area and you are questioning whether you're a policy person, you are, whether you're more on the analytical side of things or 
or you want to go to, you know, or, or you're just not sure to start doing stuff. <laughs> just, uh, we, we, for example, we do have intent a lot also on the policy side of things. I, all, I, I myself think that the policy side is, is rather um, complex, uh, but we do have amazing help from, from young professionals who just, who, who adds to the um, quality of our work from uh, from very first weeks and their and their wonderful fit and wonderful contribution uh so i wouldn't say that you of, of course like you you get you, you get to learn things on the way but you already can have very important contributions you know coming from school and and especially i think when you're starting your career and something i really didn't value when i finished my university was that you had the you had the luxury of specializing something in depth something and you can offer this you can offer this to your uh you know to your um um to your workplace and to your team and so, so don't be too shy about your experiences if it's only if it's only your studies because you had a great opportunity to to research something in depth and this is some luxury which you usually don't get once you are once you're on the on, on your job because you have to go fast things are happening things are changing and i think that the benefits uh, you know team, teams usually benefit from very different experiences so i think when we mix different levels of experiences it just makes the team way stronger and i myself get very much inspired by very young professionals with him and our team and i love when they challenge the way we are looking on things uh and and that's just great benefit to to the overall work so i wouldn't get like i wouldn't be too shy when you're starting that's good advice as a young professional and maybe when you're entering it and you're new it is scary it's scary to say well i don't have the background anybody that enters a new room of people that may be smarter is scary but i always say to look at it as an advantage just like you said it brings a lot of different perspectives when you have different people on the team and different backgrounds can you get a little bit into cyber peace institute for our listeners just to explain what is Cyber Peace Institute? What do you do as a public policy advisor? And as we already know how somebody can get in, you know, where do you see this falling into your career? So how I came to this job, it was, yeah, it was a fun story. Uh, several years ago, as, as I mentioned, like I really wanted to be in the, I started to figure out over the years that the tech angle of policy is something I'm absolutely passionate about and at some point i just thought to myself that i'm not sure whether i have enough experience i'm not sure whether i will ever be good enough to have to have such a job but i will not be the one who will say no to myself like let the others decide so i started to publish i started to write articles i started to just like send them to random journals uh to random you know like places where they could be published and i was just thinking I love this so much. I just love researching so much on this topic. I love putting it on a paper. I love discussing it with people. And um, if it leads to something, you know, in a year, great. If it leads to something in five years, great. But I just want to get into the space and I will be happy. And I think really this changed the narrative of just getting a job because suddenly it was more about passion you you want to do and of course it's a lot of work 
but you have to love the work because you end up working a lot. So you better really like what you do on daily basis. And um, I was getting into the space and I was getting to know uh, more and more people. I would attend events and I would get in touch with the people who were speaking there because I, I knew they work and I was very excited about their work. And I think in general, when you reach out to a person and you just show genuine interest because you do have the genuine interest, it shows, like it shows the authenticity of connection. And then those people sometimes pointed me to, to other networks and such as, so I started to be engaged in the space in which I'm currently, even before my current job. And that's why my current job was such a good fit. And um, so I started to build a network outside of my actual job, which was back then at an in, you know, an international institution. Um, um, for it was the organization for security and cooperation in uh, Europe, so an um, international security organization. And um, uh, and then one big thing which I also learned just before landing my job, and and then I read it's also part of the like general research um, findings on how people get their jobs is usually don't get job from your closest friends but it's from your secondary connections. So you, it's someone who you have on LinkedIn, right? You may not personally know them, but they will advertise the job and such as. So just like creating these connections and connections of connections and just around the, around something meaning, meaningful. Like for me, the meaningful part was cyber policy. So getting into my orbit, as many people who are excited about cyber policy as I am, uh, really paid off because I then saw all these, um, you know, um, <clears throat> advertisement for, for next jobs. And I had my, um, I had the contacts on my, on my LinkedIn and I saw this uh, job being advertised. I was just like, well, I think that they will turn me down because, you know, <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't that like, um, I don't know. I wasn't sure about it. I was like, I don't care anymore. I just want to have a shot with the job. So I sent, I sent my, uh, yeah, I sent my cover letter, and, and I didn't know anyone at the side of this institute. I remember researching like what exactly. I knew them from some, um, from some um, discussions before, and I was always inspired um, by the by the woman who then later on became my uh, became my boss, and I just loved. What the institute did, it was fairly new. It just started in uh, um, 2019, uh, but I loved how it was presented and the work which was behind it. And um, and I wanted to have a shot with them, um, so I sent my I sent my application and then with the interviews and stuff, and I got accepted. So it was a happy moment. That's amazing. I always see that you're featured in a talk or a panel. And if you, if any of you listening go to Pavlina's LinkedIn and you look at what she's featured in, it looks so intimidating. These rooms and the discussions, like how does that feel? Do you ever feel intimidated as a woman talking about these topics? I don't consider the fact that I'm a woman when I'm talking about them. I think it's, uh, when, when I discuss issues and especially when I present the Cyber Peace Institute, but also when I present my own research, it's about the matter. Like for me, it's like, it's outside, it's beyond me. And I think that's why I'm not intimidated. And it's, that's why I'm not factoring in that, you know, uh, I may be all like often the only woman 
also mm -hmm. it very much depends from from venue to venue we do have we do have venues on cybersecurity when there is gender party and then we have panels when i am the only woman uh i especially feel it because um sometimes because um rather than being a woman that i am a young woman and i think like this sometimes maybe um <clears throat> kind of looked at differently yeah. yes yes definitely uh but then you you also see the power of people that you understand what you are talking about and you see how the attitudes sometimes change after the panel so for me actually going on a on a panel and speak is the opportunity of freedom because suddenly people see what you think about things suddenly people see what is the information you can give them and they see the value of your work and it starts to be about some pettiness of of uh, whether gender age or nationality or anything else because there are many there, there's a lot of bias for everyone so i think this actually that i get my voice gives me gives me freedom and i feel very empowered when when i can speak up because uh, it's about the work. It's about something I'm, I, I care very much about. So it, it just stops being about you as a person. It's more about, I want to deliver for, you know, for the Institute. I want to sh show people what incredible work we are doing. I want, to, I want to make them understand why this issue is important. I think there's so much work to be done in this field and especially on the, on the kind of human-centric um, side of things, like explaining how cyber threats are impacting people and impacting people in vulnerable situations. I think it's the, it's, it's the matter, if the topic you're, you're involved in is, it's, you, you find it so important, it just becomes, it becomes more important than you and your presentation. And it gives you and it gives you power back. That's a good answer. I love that you said that it doesn't phase you and you you feel very empowered. Can you get a little bit more into how does your day to day look? I, I assume you're always busy. And, um, you know, before we started the podcast, Pavlina was like, oh, she has different meetings at this time. And I just I just I'm so curious for myself, too, because I'm really interested in in a lot of cyber policies and the legal aspect of it here. And, you know, I did a lot of incident response back then when there's ransomware, we put in cyber insurance and there's so many policies to keep up with, right? There's so many discussions going on. So I, I know you're probably busy and I know you probably do so many different things, but if you could kind of give a high level overview of what does your day-to-day -day really consume with and, if somebody were wanting to get in this field, what should they be kind of prepared for? A lot of unknowns. You have to have a lot of flexibility. I definitely plan a lot. And something I also, I, I always advise to, to people when I mentor them or, or other people who, who reach out for any advice. And I'm always saying, and I'm reminding myself on daily basis that giving things priority and understanding what is your priority is key to being effective and actually being you know, happy and fulfilled with your work. Otherwise it can feel absolutely overwhelming because there are just so many, you know, you're juggling so many things at the same time. So, so for me, it's definitely like, I have to have clarity on what is the priority for the day and what is the, what is the um, kind of measure of success. So I feel, I, I can feel after each day, I can feel the accomplishment that I did well, I delivered on what, on, on what I wanted and Sata 
and there's just many different things. I think policy is very um, is a field with which, especially cyber policy, there are things happening all the time, and you cannot be, you know, you, you cannot keep up with everything which happens. So that's why you you need to rely on other people. You need to rely on the information from your colleagues, from other experts, from and also work with many unknowns um, at the same time and understanding the bigger picture. Every time something uh, something happens, you need to understand like wh wh where is it position in the big picture. On daily basis, it's um, it's a lot of it's a lot of um, communication with stakeholders. A big part of my work is to keep on tag with our cooperation, following up um, with with people I met. Uh, encouraging the policy side of the project um, and uh, and also communicating with my colleagues where we stand. And then the writing part, so uh, drafting the policy statements, communicating the priorities for our policy engagement, also being present in events. So speaking would be the third biggest part of my of my work, which is actually time intense, especially if you travel and Sata. So it takes a big part of my of my work time as well. Speaking about mentoring, and that was really good advice in what you said and kind of explaining the role. I know that you've been a mentor, but for our listeners that don't know, how do they, you know, how does somebody get a mentor in this space? And and in particular, have you mentored a lot of people that are interested in cyber policy or where does that where does that kind of fall in? Um, you know, are there mentor groups that you'd want to shout out? Or, you know, if somebody was looking for a mentor similar to what you do, how would you advise that? I think nowadays there are so many programs which encourage that. And it depends from which, you know, from, from which angle you are coming from. Uh, there are specifically like cyber policy mentorship programs. Uh, there are then international security mentoring programs. I was involved in a in STEM mentoring program, or just in general with uh, with young professionals who are who are getting into the who are starting their career. So it can be from many different places. From uh, whether it's it's a program focused on research, and then they have mentoring part, or international organizations have uh, mentoring programs. There's so many options right now. I always push people to get a mentor with whatever space you're in. I think it's good to also do the networking. Like if they're new to this space, um, a question I have for you too, Pavlina, is, you know, at the beginning you said you don't have to be as technical to do this role and to have an interest in cyber policy. If I have a cybersecurity background or somebody listening is similar to um, you know, having a cybersecurity background, what do you think will benefit you, me or a, someone into getting into a cyber policy role or becoming more involved with the, I guess the um, the political side of things? You know, instead of like right now, maybe technical roles, not so much policy, what advice would you have for somebody that's getting into it? And do you think that technical experience is better or cybersecurity experience is better or legal um, or political experience, right? Like government experience. Um, where do you see somebody really coming into this role benefiting with kind of a different um, specialty, I guess. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. And um, and this is another part where I love cyber policy because people from all walks of life come to cyber policy because we need everyone. 
there is so there is a huge part on international law and also national law and the applicability in cyberspace uh, and um, uh, and you need policy person you need people who been involved in politics you you need to understand geopolitics in many in many instances um, and, and many negotiations uh, but also you need the technological point of view because for example how cyber business works is that um, it has uh, investigative department so we have platforms um, which are mostly public with evidence of cyber attacks on on which I build the policy side of things. Uh, so you just need to have all kind of angles because cyber is like cross, you know, societal issue in a sense. So it just touches everything nowadays. Um, and and to have uh, and to have policies which which fit the purpose, you have to understand all the aspects, and you cannot understand it from one point of view. So actually, um, you know, whether my colleagues or people who I, who I come across is just, it's a, it's an amazing variety of people. And this is what makes it so exciting to, to be part of it. That's exciting. I mean, it's almost like cybersecurity. It's whoever can get into it can get into it. Um, do you, so I want to, I want to further understand as you know, what the role you're in now as a public policy advisor and you talking to stakeholders, if you could give like a percentage of how much you impact a policy getting written and then published, is that like you're totally impacted by that and you have a big impact in the say? Or is it is it a long process and then you're impacting a little bit, but it goes a long way? I'm I'm trying to understand and, and maybe for our listeners too, is you know, as a public policy advisor and for somebody that has no understanding of it, how like how does that work? What's the process of that? It's definitely team effort because everything we do, <clears throat> every department needs to be connected to the other department and needs to be connected to the mission of the Institute as such. So also from us, it doesn't start from the scratch. It starts from, it's fra starts from the in-house evidence we have. It starts from the other expertise we have at the, at the Institute. Um, and, uh, and even when I start drafting for example, policy statements, uh, it comes from all the work which my colleagues did before, all the publishing we did before, all the expertise, um, but also like additional research when we want to move ahead with uh, with topics which we haven't covered yet. Um, so it is very much team effort. And then I, I draft something and we consult in our team. And, uh, and of course it gets to pro procedures of get, getting green-lighted by by the head of the uh, policy at the, at the institute and the head of the institute and so that so it's a, it's a whole process of getting something done uh, and uh, and the policy part and my part is um, is part of this uh, but it can only work because all the other work of the of the institute is uh, is so amazing that we can build on it and and bring something valuable the table i enjoy when there's roles that are very collaborative and it sounds like you're not only working internal but even with external with the stakeholders and that must be exciting rather than being you know just talking to internal all the time out of all your speaking engagements and 
a lot of the blogs that you've written and topics is, is there anything that comes to mind that is your favorite and you just want to let the world know about it or something that you feel strongly about? <laughs> I do have one. I do have one. It's actually, um, I wrote that it, it started very organically and many things do. Um, so I was approached, um, to, to give a workshop on gender disinformation approximately a year ago. And while it's not particularly, it's not, you know, like clearing, clearly my topic, but I just thought, you know, I, I really like the topic. They really like me as an expert to give the, um, to give the painting. Um, uh, so I said, yes. And then I did some research to prepare and actually I got so into it. Um, and based on this and, and then follow-up research, I wrote an article on gender, gender threats and how they connect in cyberspace. And I will not go into detail right now, but, um, but it's just, it's just something I'm always, since, since finishing that article, I'm always thinking about expanding the research and I'm looking for opportunities to expand the research. Uh, because it adds another complexity. You see cyber threats, um, for example, you see, uh, you see um, multiple extortions, you see data being hacked and then misusing this information. And you see vulnerabilities of people and their identities being fed into it. So as we, um, we also discuss, right, the, uh, you know, the, the question of, of being of certain gender or sex or nationality or um, job, like human rights defenders. I worked a lot in my previous position at ONC. I worked a lot with human rights defenders and it, with those people who were in, in communities who were attacked most most um for example on hate on on the angle of hate speech i published on the hate speech against roma and how it translates in their lack of security uh in real life and um and this is something i'm absolutely passionate about because it's not only very complex so you have so many layers that you're always exploring something new and you're trying to bring something new to the audience um <clears throat> but you also have this vulnerability of people being used by the attackers and this is something which really you know hurts you and this is something you want to bring more accountability for um so if one piece comes to my mind it's that one i think that's pretty important i think it's it's very hurtful when we already see cyber attacks happen but i think when it hits a human being and their core and what they identify as it's a lot harder, right? We don't know what people are going to go through. And um, I think that's a good topic. I'm going to also include that article that you've written inside the bio so that our audience can hear a little bit more and read more about it. Yeah, I think with that being said, you've given a lot of amazing advice. And I always ask, well, I don't always ask this, but I guess one question that I typically ask is, if you could give advice to your younger self, what would it be? And we'll leave it at that as the closing. Don't be afraid. That's I good. think it applies to so many people. It does. One thing you read is you are just scared. And I'm still scared. I'm scared on a daily basis. Uh, but I learned to overcome that. It's just, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't stop me anymore. And this is something I would tell my younger self. It will be okay. 
Yeah, that's good. Well, Pavlina, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And for anyone that wants to get in touch with Pavlina, check out the bio. We'll have her links as well. And you can connect with her on LinkedIn. Thank you, Pavlina. Thank you so much.